brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. It's the uh, signing day special at BuckeyeScoop.com. Uh, kind of a, a gives in the bank uh, recruiting podcast with uh, myself, Mark Givler. We got Bill Green here. We have Alex Gleitman here. Um Again, it's it's signing day. It's it's an exciting time on the recruiting calendar. I think, uh, especially if you're an Ohio State fan, with with all the great players uh, that are now uh, officially Buckeyes, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement about this class uh, from the fan base, and I'm sure the coaches as well. Um, we're gonna just kind of do a roundtable here today. We're gonna talk about uh, just all the different things with. Uh, you know, from, from, you know, the, the exciting parts of this class to, you know, the, the things that you guys, you know, are going to want to discuss in terms of instant impact guys, and maybe some of the sleepers. And we're just going to kind of go around the horn here and, um, you know, do uh, probably five or six topics, uh, kind of put a, a bow on the class and maybe look forward to what the next uh, six weeks might look like as well, uh, as there is, of course, still the late signing period. Um, but I mean, first of all, uh, let, let's start with this. Um, Ohio State signed a lot of great classes here, um, you know, in, in recent years, especially. Bill, we'll start with you on this. Where does this class stack up for you in terms of uh, some of the other recent Ohio State classes? Uh, I think it's as good as any they've had recently. It's a lot better than last year's class, in my opinion. Um, you know, you, you hear people like when they see this type of class, the first reaction would be like, oh, my God, what a class, you know. You know, if you want to compete with Clemson, you want to complete, compete with Bama, you have to have, oh, my God, just about every year. And it almost has to be with every position group, you know, because when you get you get stung a year or two in a row in the same position like they did with defensive back recruiting, it shows up like a couple of years later, like we're seeing right now where, you know, Jordan battle would look really good in that defensive backfield right now. So I think, you know, if you want to stay with the big dogs year after year, it kind of has to be, Oh my God, what a class almost every year. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a special group. Um, I, I agree. Um, Alex, you know, 
you're looking at this, you see a lot of the East coast guys, you see a lot of guys, maybe we don't see, uh, you know, they did, they, they missed out a little bit on, uh, on Taiwan Malone, but they're getting a couple guys, you know, Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison. I mean, just, just your take on this class as a whole. And, and, you know, looks like they've got some, some East coast flavor again to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Bill. I, I think, you know, you look at this class and you it's, I think it is better top to bottom than last year's class. Um, there's obviously, I think some position groups that, you could argue are better, but I, I think top to bottom better. It's right up there. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best class since I've started covering Ohio state 2017 stands out to me. Um, what was it? That 2013 class with all those guys. I mean, that, that might, when you talk about what they became, that might be the best class ever. The, the 2008 brew crew class was, was excellent as well. And those guys contributed to a lot of wins this class has the potential to be up there with those. And, you know, you mentioned some East coast guys. I think a guy who weirdly enough does not get a lot of credit. Maybe it's because of who's coming in behind him or how early he committed or the fact that, you know, you have CJ Stroud in front of him, but Kyle McCord, I saw him as a freshman at, at the opening regional in New Jersey. I had no clue who he was. You had Tyson Fomacon who is a, who's at Clemson right now. Uh, he'll probably never start there, but he was committed to Clemson at the time. You have a number of other guys who were were highly rated and going to big Power Five programs, and I thought this kid was the best kid there as a freshman. And I, you know, I found out it was Kyle McCord, and I just kept following him and saw him a few other times throughout the years. I, he he does it all. I mean, he can make all the throws. He works hard. He's got a great attitude. He's a great leader. He could move. He's not a statue back there. Uh, he's not, you know, he's not Justin Fields or Terrell Pryor, but uh, maybe he's a little bit more like Joe Burrow to some extent with the, with his ability to move. Uh, maybe not that good, but he's he's better than Dwayne Haskins was moving in the pocket and and things like that. So I think that's a kid a, a lot of people don't give credit for. Marvin Harrison's also not a very outspoken kid, but he's a pro. I mean, you talk to that kid the way he, he answers questions and goes about his business. He's clearly learned from his dad. Who's a, who's an NFL hall of fame receiver. So, you know, you talk about, you talk about those guys um, really, really in my neck of the woods. Um, and, and I think uh, they just are two excellent pieces of this class. Yeah. It was funny. You kind of mentioned 17, I thought was maybe the, had a chance to be the best. Uh, certainly was the best since 13 for me. Now I look at this. It's like, it's like every four years they sign one of these like classes that, you know, could produce five first round draft picks, that type of class. And I, I do think uh, this class uh, has some potential there. Um, let's, let's dive into that. Who uh, we'll, we'll start with you here, Bill, who is the star of this class on offense and defense? Well, offensively for me, you know, the easy answer is Emeka Buka. I mean, that kid's got everything he needs to be a superstar, be an NFL player. Um, but I'm going to kind of look at Travion Henderson. Um, I've never seen him in person, but that, that junior film is just unbelievable, I think. And if he can keep his speed and the ability to make people miss as he gets bigger and stronger, I mean, that kid's got a chance to be really special. Um, and I think he's a, a bell cow back. He's not a guy that you would look to split carries with kind of like Teague is or Sermon or, you know, this guy's an everyday, every down player, catch the ball. He's going to block. He can do everything. And I, I, I won't be surprised field next year in some capacity. 
I think they'll get him carries next year. So Ibuka, I think, is the easy answer. I love McCord too. I think Alex is is dead on there. I think I think people are kind of overlooking Kyle McCord because of what's ahead of him and behind. But that kid's really special too. So, but if I got to pick one, I'm going to go with Travion Henderson just because of the, the the explosion, you know, that the the ability to hit the home run that we're not seeing right now. Yeah, um, Alex, who do you have on offense as kind of your your star of the class? I'm going to go at Buka. I'll take the easy way out. I, you know, he's a five-star bona fide five-star kid. I, I think Bill said on the board the other day, this kid, if you watch him, he could play, he could play defensive back at, 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 at this level and be a first round pick. Um, he's that talented. He's that athletic. I think, you know, from what I, what I've talked to people about him, the work ethic and the determination and, uh, it's, it's all there. I expect him to come in next year, be a part of the receiver rotation and, you know, potentially be a first round pick, if not, you know, second round pick, something like that uh, in, in three to four years. I am going to go off the board a little bit here. Um, I I think he's plug and play. and I think he's multiple position guy. I'm going to go with Donovan Jackson. Um, I think Donovan, I he could play tackle. He doesn't have that ideal tackle body. Um, he's not six, six. But he's pretty long. He's probably six three and a half, six four. He's he's got good good wingspan. Um, unbelievable feet, unbelievable technique, unbelievable compete level. Um, so if you needed tackle help in a pinch, absolutely could do that. I think he'll probably settle in at guard, where I think he's the best guy they've signed for that position probably since Wyatt Davis. Now. Wyatt uh, is probably the best guard prospect I've ever seen in person at the high school level. Um, I, I watched him against St. X his senior year, and it was it was unbelievable. Um, but and, and Donovan's a different player than Wyatt. I think Wyatt d- does it with a this type of physically imposing, intimidating um, style of play. And and Donovan's mean. I, I don't want to take away anything from Donovan on on the mean streak um, level, but but Donovan's just it's technique it's footwork it's hand placement it's positioning um just so sound um so consistent and i think could play at guard early if if they needed him to now hopefully they don't need him to i I don't think you ever want to have to play a freshman offensive lineman if you don't have to um but i think donovan can help you at multiple spots and of course he could play center if they wanted him to i don't think they're going to need him to do that Uh, i think the, the center pipeline's good enough right now but um, you talk about someone who can play up and down the line to me, if there's, if there's a safest bet on the offense to be a, to be an NFL player, I, I do think it might be Donovan Jackson. Um, so I'm going to go a little off the board there, but, um, all right, we'll fire it back to you, Bill, uh, defensive star of the class. Well, the easy one would be Jack Sawyer, you know, but you know, with the need that we're seeing right now. And, and it's a position where you can play as a freshman. You know, we're seeing what Elias Ricks has done this year at LSU. I mean, you can play on the corner young, and I love those corners. Hancock and, and J.K. Johnson, I just think it's really, really are special. It won't shock me if one of them is in the rotation next year, and maybe both of them get the time next year. I mean, that's a problem spot for Ohio State right now. And sometimes, you know, you look at a problem spot and you think – it's either inexperience or it's lack of talent. And I almost think it's a lack of talent there 
which makes me think these talented kids, they just might have a chance to play next year. So I'm going to go with these two as twins um, for my defensive uh, in this one, not just a player. And I, I love those two, and I think they're exactly what Ohio State needs right now. Alex, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, could go easy again with Jack Sawyer. Everyone knows he's the third Boza. He's going to play right away. He's out of position to need, but I'm going to go off the board a little bit too. I'm going to go Reed Carrico. I think Reed Carrico, and I said this with Tom on, on the morning scoop a couple of days back. I think Reed Carrico could be that vintage Ohio State linebacker. Uh, when you think of A.J. Hawk or Bobby Carpenter or James Laurinaitis or Chris Spielman, just your hardworking blue collar, you know, Midwest type of guy who's I mean, he is athletic. I mean, he can move sideline to sideline. He can he can rush the passer. He could drop in coverage. He could do all that stuff. But he's just a hard nosed kid who's going to give you one hundred ten percent four to six A to B on every single play. Uh, he's going to take to coaching. He's going to be, you know, first one in the locker room, one of the la- or weight room, one of the last guys out of there. I, I just, I'm not going to say he's surefire. Very few people are surefire, but I-, I really am excited to see what this kid could do at the linebacker position. And I think he's, he's versatile. He could play multiple positions. Yeah. I'm not going to go off the board here. It's Jack Sawyer. Um, <laughs> sorry guys. It's Jack. Uh, watch, watch Zach Harrison as, as a young player. Um, I thought when Zach Harrison was a senior and Jack Sawyer was a sophomore, that Jack was already ahead of, of, of Zach Harrison. Um, so I think he comes in, uh, and then Zach ended up as an 18 year old starting in a, in a college football semifinal. So I think Jack Sawyer comes in immediately. Um, will they start him? Probably not. I think you're going to have too many veteran defensive ends that that would kind of maybe uh, shake up the room a little bit if you did that. But he's going to play a lot. Um, I've always said he he's Joey Bosa's body with Nick Bosa's dedication to football. That's that's what I that's what I think Jack is. Um, I, I would be I'd be stunned if he's not out there uh, playing quite a bit next year. And I I think he's a a three and done first round pick type of guy um, that. The only thing that could happen is if, if injuries derail him, I, I don't see a, a way he fails outside of, of that, which, which yes, which every, every player who suits up takes that risk. So um, all, all goes well on that front. He's, he's going to be a star. Um, this is a little bit of, of a similar question, but we're kind of going to do it anyway, because it's not, there's going to be some overlap in what we just talked about, but you know, just because you're a, you're a star player or the star of the class, that doesn't always mean you're the first on the field. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen guys who uh, maybe take two or three years, uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore was not an instant impact guy, you know? So, so in that vein, who's going to be on the field next year? And maybe if you even want to get away from like the, okay, well, Jack Sawyer, who maybe aren't people talking about enough as a guy who may play next year, Bill? You know, I've, kind of already mentioned a couple of them with those two so I think have a shot I think Travion Henderson has a shot Sawyer absolutely like you mentioned Donovan Jackson for sure absolutely just want to kind of go off the board a little bit here is chance that Kyle McCord comes in and beats out Stroud and Miller can that happen I I, I won't say it can't 
We've seen freshmen start on, you know, playoff teams. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm expecting that to happen, but I'm telling you what, that kid's really good. And I'm not going to be blown away if he's at least the two and maybe pushes Stroud, who I think is going to be the starter. I think McCord can push him. So that's going to be interesting for me to see, you know, when you get to fall camp, where's Kyle McCord in the mix? Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a pretty good pick. Cause he, I mean, look, he's getting in there early. So he's going to have a shot uh, starting in January to, to learn the offense and, and to get reps and it behooves Ohio state's offensive staff to get all three of these guys reps. Cause they got to see what they have um, going into the fall. Um, so that's interesting. That's an interesting, uh, that'll, that'll be an interesting message board topic. I'm sure over the next 12 months. So um, Alex, please don't take my guy, but go ahead and give us your guy. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Bill, Bill mentioned the corners. I could see all the receivers. I think they're all ready to step into a rotation right away. You know, you got McCord, you got the running backs or, you know, you look at the needs, you know, Jack Sawyer's obviously there. The running backs are there. So I think all those guys are candidates. The one guy who I think could somewhat be a little bit of a surprise, and it's really because of how thin the position is going to be after this year is Sam Hart, a tight end. Uh, you know, we don't know what Jeremy Ruckert's going to do. I think he's going to come back, but that's not, that's not a sure thing at this point. He, he could decide, you know what, my stock's not going to get much higher getting, you know, 10 catches a season. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go to the pros and take my chance and, and try to get to that second contract. Right. Like he could, he could do that. I don't think he will, but let's say, assume Rucker comes back. Farrell and Houseman are gone. They have Corey Rao, who's a walk-on transfer from SMU, who, who might be back. They have Kate Stover, who's a converted defensive player. And then they have Joe Royer, who was a freshman this year that didn't really play any. So that room, to me, is wide open. And they love to go two tight ends a lot, sometimes three tight ends. And so if Sam Hart can come in and prove that he could block at this level, he's got a chance to play right away. So I think the other guys that I mentioned are probably more likely, but he's a guy who, where I look at the position groups and the opportunity, it's certainly there for him. And he's coming in early. He's enrolling early. So that will be big for him as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get to my guy here in a second, but I, I like the early opportunities for the defensive backs uh, as Bill mentioned. And, and as Alex also mentioned, um, it, it's hard to imagine one of JK Johnson and Jordan Hancock, not figuring into the, the mix next year. Uh, I personally, from what I've seen, I would, I would probably side with, with Johnson. I think he's a little more physically ready, but um, yeah. I, and then I'll throw out a while. Well, actually I'm going to hold this one. Cause he's going to be on another topic for me. So I'm not even going to say, I'm going to not going to complete that thought until later. Um, my guy though is Michael Hall. I think Michael Hall is going to be in the defensive tackle rotation next year. I think he's an absolute stud. I think he's um, he's not, I don't, not so much in the terms of recruiting rankings. I think the recruiting rankings have started to figure him out a little bit and realize, yes, guy's probably a top 100 player, but I'm not so sure the fans have been as excited about him as maybe they should be. Um, I think if he was from Texas or California, everyone would be losing their mind over getting Michael Hall, but he's from Streetsboro, Ohio, and he doesn't say much and he just kind of goes about his business. So um, he's an explosive guy. Uh, uh, I think a prototype three tech, um, super long, super athletic, plays hard. Um, they, they do need bodies there. We don't know what Togi and Garrett are going to do yet. I tend to think at least one of them is going to leave. 
Um, but so there's going, and there's going to be opportunities, even if they're both back, there's still going to be opportunities there. I don't think anyone has really jumped up from the, from the second team or the third team and really just taken a stranglehold on, on snaps for next year. So, um, I think Michael Hall is going to play next year. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, let's move on to, I think what might be the favorite topic that, uh, everyone has, uh, you, you guys out there, you love talking about the underdogs and the miss, you know, oh, this guy's underrated or this guy's a sleeper. So Bill, who is the sleeper of this class? It's gotta be a guy who's not ranked super high. I know Andre Turrentine is ranked ahead of Jansen Dunn by most services. I think that's way off. I think Jansen Dunn, while he has a huge bust potential, I think he's got a huge boom potential. There's a, a wide range there that I see. You watch the film, and, I, and he plays all over the place, and he hasn't specialized in a position yet. I think he's perfect for the single high. I think he's a more athletic Jordan Fuller who, if he pops, you got a Malik so we'll see, but he could also be a guy that never finds his way, never finds a spot. They move him around. He gets too big for safety. They put him at linebacker. They try him at wide receiver. He could be one of those too, but man, I love what I see out of that kid just for raw ability. If I got to pick a sleeper, I'm going with Jansen Dunn. Go for it, Alex. Yeah, I mean, Dunn was my guy too. I, I think, you know, the athletic ability and, and the fit there at the one high safety spot is 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 just tremendous. Uh, I, I think he's, the, to Bill's point, sky's the limit there. Uh, I'm going to go though with, it's cheating a little bit because they're never ranked high, but Jesse Murko, a punter, I just think that that is, I mean, Tress, Tress will love that one, but I think, I think, it's just he could come, he's going to come in right away, and it's not a guarantee, but he's probably going to be the starting punter for the next four years, next and that years. can you know that's extremely important when you get into a a close game either in the Big Ten or in the college football playoff. I mean, they need that guy to perform, and you know they they did their research on this kid. He's you know from Australia, and they did their zooms and they saw videos and things like that, and you know they felt it was worth going out and offering him a, a scholarship and he'll be here in January. So he'll get a head start and it'll be him and, and Michael O'Shaughnessy, a, a walk-on punter from Columbus who will battle it out for that punter job. So, you know, punters, kickers, they're never ranked high, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sneak in Jesse Murko here. Yeah. I didn't complete my thought a minute ago. And my, my thought was, my thought was Jansen Dunn. Um, I, I just, uh, I've been on this bandwagon for a long time. I, I, I really have. So if, if, if I'm wrong, I, I I'm extra wrong, but um, I just, I see a freak athlete there. I think, um, you know, again, I think, I think Bill made a really good point actually that I hadn't quite considered before, but if, if they just let him go at safety, don't do, don't experiment here. I, you know, don't try him at corner. Don't try him in the slot. Just put him back there. Free safety let him go, let him learn. If that's what happens, I think he is a very special safety prospect. He is just, he's a prototype athletically. Um, and um, I, I think he's got great genes. Dad was a, a, a really good basketball player. Um, I, I struggle to compare anyone to Malik Hooker, so I'm not going to go that far here. Um, just because I think Malik Hooker played the position in his one year at starting at Ohio State, maybe better than I've ever seen him played at Ohio State. But um, 
there are some similarities uh, on the pro. If you if you look at the the, the athletic profile and the, the background, there are some similarities there. So I think that's um, obviously intriguing. Um, all right, I'm going to throw this right back to Alex here. What position um, do you think was the strongest in this class? And I know that's going to be a tough one just because when you've signed so many highly ranked guys that you've, you've filled so many of your needs, this could be tough, but, but Alex, I got, you got to pick one here. What, what position group is, is the uh, strongest in this class? Yeah, for me, it comes down to DBs and wide receivers. Um, I'm going to go with DBs because it checks the box of talent checks, the box of uh, filling a need, a big need, maybe the biggest need. And it, it, the numbers, I mean, there's, Five guys, at least maybe six, depending on where Jalen Johnson ends up. I, I tend to think it's linebacker, but I know a lot of people still have him ranked as a safety. You know, you have the quantity, you have the quality, and then you, you check the box on filling a big need. And while I think the receivers, you know, pound for pound are, are incredible and, and rival any position group across the country, look what they brought in last year. Was it a need? You always need playmakers, but it wasn't as big of a need as DB. So I, I give the nod to the DBs. Yeah, I, I, that's, Hey, that's a good pick bill. Um, what are, what are your thoughts here, uh, on that? Uh, is there a position group for you? That's the strongest. I, I have to stick with Alex here. And, and I mean, these mainly because of the need, I mean, I think, you know, I, I kind of like the guys that brought in last year. I wish they would have kept Clark Phillips. Um, the need just makes it so makes it the most important group to me. The talent is amazing there. You know, the wide receiver talent special, but if, you know, Ballard and Ibuka and Harrison, if they all decide to redshirt next year, it won't hurt Ohio State at all. You know, those DBs, somebody's going to be on the field next year in that group. They're going to count on one of those guys at least to be in the rotation. And I think it kind of covers up you know, some recruiting failures that have been in the past in that position, you know, and that's why he was brought back in. That's his specialty. He can recruit big time players and he did it again, you know, a couple of weeks after he was back, he started doing his magic. So I'm rolling with those DBs. Yeah, I'll go off the board here just a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. It's hard to argue against the secondary. Um, but what about running back? I mean, God bless Tony Alford, but that was a mess last year. And I don't think a lot of that was his fault. I mean, I think, I think he thought he had two guys who probably told him they were coming. And and then he, and within a couple of weeks, he had neither of them. And, and uh, it became um, just a, a total, um, kind of a, a sore subject, I guess, uh, for Ohio state on the recruiting front there. Um, they had to get, first of all, they had to get two guys in this class. They had to get two good ones. They did that. But I think more importantly than getting two good ones that I think they needed to get a star. And I think they got a star. I think there's a lot of good, there's a lot of solid running backs on this roster right now. I, I don't know that there's a star. I think Travion Henderson is a, is going to be a star. And so not only did you get two really good ones, you know, you can't, Evan Price a, a heck of a player as well. Not only did you get two good ones, but I think you got a legitimate star. I think you got two guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well, which 
you know, I continue to hear is you're, we're starting to see it a little bit, but I, I think, I think Ryan day and, and the, that offensive staff would like to throw it to the running backs even more than they do now. I just don't know that they really have the personnel um, to do that right now. And so these guys will open up more doors for the offense uh, with their ability as pass catchers. And so I just thought that was a home run class for Tony Alford. I thought, um, my gosh, did he take a lot of heat the last, you know, 12 or 18 months. And um, I, I just thought he, he came out and he really nailed this class uh, at, the, at the running back position. So that's what I'm going to go with there. Good, good thing he wasn't fired at least 100 times like the message boards had him fired, right? Yes, yes. And <laughs> probably for the best that he was not fired. Uh, <laughs> probably for the best. Uh, I'm not sure they would have got Travion Henderson <laughs> and Evan Pryor had that happened. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Um, we don't lo- we don't love to focus on the negative and it's it's really there's not a lot of negative going on here right now but um Alex you know was there a position group where there's still some work left they didn't maybe do as much as they need to yet um anything anything there as far as maybe um it, whether you want to call it a weakness or just a to be determined or a you know just something to work on moving forward here uh these these next few weeks yeah no brainer for me Offensive tackle. Uh, I just think, you know, you look at the roster and where the talent is, where, again, not, not, you, you don't know, but I'll use last week as an example against Michigan State or two weeks ago, whatever that was, when, when we knew there was going to be, you know, we probably knew there was going to be three offensive linemen out before the general public did. And we're sitting there trying to figure out who's playing right tackle. And, you know, Paris Johnson was healthy. He's probably the guy, but, when you, when you have to go past – when you can't figure out who's going to play right tackle, I mean, that's that's a problem. Max Ray came in and did, a, did an awesome job, I thought. Tremendous job. I was not expecting that. I thought he did an awesome job. And so maybe you have some more players in Dewan Jones and Max Ray and, and Paris Johnson than you thought you did. But I still think with Thayer Munford leaving, Nick Petit-Frere about to be a senior – uh, you know, Paris Johnson, you might look at him as, you know, if he starts next year, he's probably a three-year guy. Um, I, I think the need at offensive tackle in the last two classes has been there. And I think to land only one guy in Paris Johnson that you can look at and say, I feel pretty confident he's going to be a, a starting offensive tackle at Ohio State and a good one. You know, the guys they got last year, they could pan out, but they're all low floor, high ceiling guys. Zen Mahalski, again, I think he's a kid who, has a ton of potential, very high ceiling, but the bust out, but you know, the bust out potential is, is, is pretty high there too. So to not land JC Latham, to not land Tristan Lee, I just think that that was a huge miss for these guys. And I think it's imperative that they get two surefire prospects at tackle in 2022. Bill, you, uh, first of all, do you agree with Alex? I know offensive line is always a thing for you. Do you agree with Alex or are you going a different direction here? No, no, that's pretty easy to agree there. Uh, you know, the Latham thing was a killer. You know, they because because I, you know, we all legitimately thought they had him, or were at least you know the favorite, and you know didn't get him. And you know, Tristan Lee, I never felt they were in there. By God, you got to fight it out. You you need tackles, you know. And then even on top of of, of losing the tackles, I mean. There was a kid, Jager Burton, that I really liked. And I know he's an inside guy, but I like football players, you know, and I thought he was a really good football player. You know, we went into this cycle saying that they absolutely needed to get four, and we thought three of them would be tackles. We thought all four would be studs. 
get off to the great start with Donovan Jackson. I, I do like Ben Chrisman too, but you just think they fell short again on O-line. And, you know, if, you know, if Stud was recruiting the way Heartline recruits or Kerry Combs recruits, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, all, you know, no, no, nobody gets all A pluses at every position group that, and O-line's hard, but boy, you just expected more this year. And it puts so much pressure on next year when right now you really can't look and say, well, like we do every year, a year out, it's always, oh, we're for all these five-star, four-star kids. I don't see it right now for Ohio State. I don't think they're in very good shape on the O-line at all for 2022. And this is after getting busted up in this class, 2021. So, you know, that's always going to be the area that stick out every year um, that there are misses or at least one miss. So whether it's numbers, talent, combination of both, this is not a complete class on the O-line for 2021. Yeah, I think they obviously missed the number here. Um, it was supposed to be four. It's, it doesn't – I mean, maybe it, it will be. It doesn't sound like it's going to be. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be three. Um, you know, they could always try and get one of these Ohio kids here uh, at the last minute, but uh, I think the hay's in the barn. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Ben Chrisman quite a bit. Uh, I love Donovan Jackson. I Mahalski, who I, I did see in person is, is better. Um, I'll say better than I thought he would be. He's, he's further along than I thought he would be. Uh, he is a good, pro, he's a, I think he do think he's a very good prospect, but he, and he's further along than I thought he would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, you needed another one. Um, and, and like Bill said, I don't, gosh, I know they're, I know they're being mentioned with some guys. I, I know, you know, Dewberry and, and Zach and Zach Rice and, some of these other guys, Gunnar Givens, I know they've been mentioned, but I don't know that the reality is very um, positive there in terms of where they actually sit with a lot of these guys. And then, you know, you've, you've, you've lost Miller to Clemson. Um, you haven't got, offered a probably got Keon to Goodwin, right? I mean, yeah, that's, probably, that's at least I, a decent one, right? You know? Right, right. So that's a good, you know, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, that's about it though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot you can kind of hang your hat on, but who knows, maybe this will be the, maybe this will be a weird year. Cause uh, we've done this the last couple of years where it's like, Oh, they're going to get, you know, all these guys, they're going to get JC Latham and Justin Rogers, and they're going to get all these different guys. And then they, they don't. So maybe this year in 22, it'll be kind of the opposite of like, well, it doesn't look that great, but then we look at it in, in June and they've, they've got Zach Rice and they've, you know, may, maybe some things, maybe some things um, pop off there. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, um, and again, I think, I think it's a kind of unfortunate this year. Like, look, they, they signed an unbelievable class. So something, so in the spirit of that question, it's got to be something. And there is a little bit of a nitpicking going on there just because of the incredible things they've done at some of the other positions. So it is what it is. Um, unless you guys have anything else, I would like to kind of move to what is left, um, which is not a whole lot, but it is, there's a lot more, I think, intrigue this year for the month of January than there has been the last few years. Uh, there has not been much going on after the early signing period the last couple of years, really at all. And this year, that's not the case. There are still two very, very big fish out there. 
Rajon Davis, a top 100 linebacker out of California, currently committed to LSU, has been telling me and 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 others for a couple weeks now that he's he's not going to sign in December, that he's going to wait until February. There is also JT Tuamaloal, five-star defensive lineman out of Washington, which would be one unbelievable cap on this recruiting class if that goes down in February. So those two are still out there. Um Bill, let's start with you. Your thoughts on those two, where things stand, chances for Ohio State. Obviously, feel better about two of low out. And I know there's a lot of scuttlebutt right now of Oregon and Bama and all that. And that's, you know, I don't know where that's coming from because the kid really, he really plays his car, cards close to the vest. Everything I'm hearing is that Ohio State is positioned really, really well, but the kid is not stressing over recruiting right now he's just not he really wants to take visits and am I going to be shocked if he doesn't sign in February day the second signing day no I'm not gonna be he could be a guy that waits and just to see if things open up let's see how the vaccine goes maybe things pop and um, maybe visits are opened up in April I could see him waiting that long so we're going to hang on every word from JT to him I think we're way early in his recruiting process and I don't think, I don't think he's focused on it right now. So it's going to be a while, you know, but I think Ohio state is positioned really well to get him heartline set the tone there, handed it off to Larry Johnson doing a great job, you know, G Scott junior senior Emeka going there makes it a lot easier to go a couple thousand miles from home when you have some familiar faces there. So I think they're in really good shape there. Ray's John Davis, you've done a good job covering this, Mark. And I've done, you know, what I can on my end. I've never had that kid sold to LSU from the day he committed to LSU. And now if it, with him not signing, I feel really confident that he's not going to LSU. And Ohio State's in a battle, you know. Um, does the kid decide to just stay close to home? You know, USC's looking – looking a lot better right now than they were a year ago. It's a viable option for him. Of the two, I think Ohio State's better positioned for Tua Malowal. But, you know, hearing Ray's John Davis not going to sign early, that had to be music to the Ohio State's ears. And I think there's a lot of confidence there that Al might be able to pull this one off. So I would say, you know, I'm pretty confident on both kids, really, with Tua Malowal more than Davis. Alex, what, what are your thoughts there? Um, and then, of course, after that, if, if you have anything else to add in terms of uh, anything that could be going on in January, but it really just seems like it's those two right now. Yeah, I think it's those two. I think Bill really summarized it perfectly. I think Ohio State's in a good spot with JT. Um, I, I still I have them as the leader. Um, I think Alabama's a real threat. I think Oregon or you know, probably more so than Washington if he chooses to stay closer to home is is the threat there. But I think with Rajon Davis, it's going to be interesting. I think the relationships, which is where it's usually won, is in Ohio State's corner. Uh, he's been to Ohio State twice, I believe, um, on his own dime. Uh, and I think Al Washington, you know, I think, I think he's done a, a really good job here. I know that there's been optimism that they could eventually turn that one. They were hoping for visits to be able to do it. And Rajon may still make another visit. I'm hearing to Ohio state in January. I know they want to come last week for the Michigan game. Uh, obviously that didn't happen, but you know, I, I think the relationships are probably in Ohio state's corner. And I think what Bill said, is it going to come down to staying closer to home? 
and, and going to USC, or is it going to be, you know, maybe taking a little leap of faith um, and entrusting the relationship with Al Washington. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I, I will say in talking to some people close to the Arizona state program, that there is some confidence. They actually had him on campus for, you know, one of those unofficial visit type weekends, I think a couple weeks back uh, for, for one of their games. Um, and I think that there's some confidence that if he does choose to stay closer to home, that Arizona state might be able to beat out USC just, just from the Arizona state side of things. I'm not saying I'm predicting that. I think it is going to be Ohio state or USC in the end. Um, so that's interesting. The one other thing I'll, I'll add to watch I think we're about to see the wild West when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, I don't know how much Ohio state's going to dip their toes into that water. Cause they don't need a ton- an influx of talent the same way, you know, Greg Schiano at Rutgers might be doing, or, you know, Mark Stoops at Kentucky might look to do or Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt might look to do. I think though, you've seen Ohio state with Justin Fields with Trey Sermon go and be really selective where there is an area of need and go get a guy who they feel can compete maybe not be the starter, you know, Trey Sermon's not a starter right now, but he's obviously a, a pretty big contributor and will be a big piece of, of them potentially winning a national championship this year. And I think, you know, with the NCAA about to vote to approve uh, transfers to be eligible immediately one time with no penalty, that is something it's, it's virtually free agency in college football. Um, and that is going to be something to watch just January to see if Ohio state does anything. Do they go for defensive backs? Do they go for a tight end? Do they, uh, you know, is if we do see transfers from certain positions, you know, it's going to go the other way too. You know, I'm not saying a quarterback for Ohio state is going to transfer out, but someone could. And, and do you bring in a veteran to have in that room with, you know, the guys, the younger guys that they have right now. So it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens there over the next few months. Yeah. I, I think they'll kind of let early entry to the NFL draft and kind of how they finish or dictate it. Um, my thing with Tua Maloal, they they need another defensive lineman in this class. Um, I don't, I would not feel all that comfortable with with um, three. Um, and while the while the ones they have are very good, I just think they need they need more bodies. And so, why on earth haven't they been offering more? defensive lineman why on earth haven't we been hearing about even maybe guys they haven't offered but they're communicating with why aren't we hearing about that well it's either because they feel really really good about jt or they're incompetent and i don't think they're incompetent so i think larry johnson has probably earned the benefit of the doubt on the uh competence uh meter so um i just i think there's a very uh i think there's a very quiet confidence on that one that it's going to take uh uh, quite a, quite a, quite a turn here. The next, um, you know, whatever it's going to be, if it's going to be six weeks or if it's going to be, uh, three months or whatever it's going to be, I, I think it's going to have to take quite, quite a turn for it to not end up at Ohio state's favor on that one. Um, the Rajon Davis one. Yes. Uh, you guys kind of hit on all of that. Um, the one thing I would add is what on earth is Corey Foreman going to do? And could that, um, you know, Rajon Davis and Corey Foreman are not teammates. They are not, um, a package deal. They are very good friends. They did take visits together at, at various points. Uh, I believe they're on the, in the same seven on seven program out there. Um, so they, they are very close. And so does that, does that break a tie between Ohio state and USC? If Corey Foreman's at USC, does it, does it give Arizona state some type of 
of of leverage or something if 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 he surprises and goes to Arizona State as 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 has been rumored could be a, a possibility. Um, I think that's something to watch uh, with with Foreman, but um, I I like the relationships like you mentioned, Alex. I think Al look Al Washington, you know doesn't get a visit for the last 12 months is recruiting against the defending national champions. Yes. They're having their issues off the field, which is well, really on and off the field, which is contributing to this, but um, to stick with this, the way he has uh, and to have them on the doorstep here, um, that would be, that would be one of the better ones I've seen. That would be one of the better recruiting jobs I've seen. You know, I think of, you know, uh, you know, landing a, a Raekwon McMillan or a, a Baron Browning or a Von Bell, this would be on that level for me of just an individual, just an outstanding recruiting job. I think he's done a great job just getting them on the doorstep here. And uh, I think they, yeah, I think, I think they've got a real shot, but I I agree with Bill. I feel better about, about JT right now. I think that one is uh, uh, you can't call it a lock certainly just because I don't think uh, JT talks to enough people <laughs> to really even be able to get to that level of a read on him. Uh, but uh, I think there is a quiet confidence there in the background. So we will see, but like, like we talked about here a few minutes ago for the first time in a few years, I think there's going to be some intrigue in January. They're just really, there's been nothing. I mean, the Jameer Gibbs thing lasted about a week <laughs> last year and then it, it just blew up immediately. I mean, there's very, very little, uh, to talk about in January the last few years, but that's going to change this year. So, um, you know, we'll be on top of those things as well. So uh, um, I think that's going to do it. Uh, we didn't go player by player uh, there. Quite frankly, if you go on Buckeyescoop.com, we're all going to have in-depth breakdowns of the class that you can read. If you, you know, player by player, position by position, grading the class. I think Alex is going to have uh, some superlatives. Uh, to go over bill's going to do what he does every year with with the the in-depth look at the class so if you want if if you felt like this was a little too vague uh go on the website and we've got a lot of in-depth stuff uh, that you can read uh on on each of these guys each of these positions uh but we appreciate everyone listening again check us out on buckeyescoop.com and and and, uh read our content and interact with us we'll be on the board answering questions all day that you guys have bill's got an all-day chat on signing day um so lots of stuff over there Appreciate you listening, and uh, thank, thanks, everyone. We'll see you on the site. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.